Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity Welcome to podcast. the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity Podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With Dr. your host, Simon, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now, here's your host, Julie Michelson. She now helps people with chronic illness dispel the lie that they're stuck with their diagnosis and medications, which are only a band-aid for their symptoms. Dr. Slima practices functional and integrative medicine virtually all over Florida at Rebalance Family Health, where she specializes in narcolepsy, mold illness, and autoimmunity. In today's conversation, Dr. Slima shares her approach to brain and body transformation, and we discuss addressing foundational basics like stress management, sleep, diet, detox, and movement to truly heal from chronic health challenges, including narcolepsy and autoimmunity. Dr. Saima, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me here today, Julie. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Um, I always love when we're, I know we're going to hit on something that, that listeners haven't heard before. Um, we always get a different spin on, on stuff, and there's definitely themes that repeat. So I would love for you to share your journey. How did you go from practicing pediatrics to transitioning to functional medicine? That's a great question. And yes, certainly a great way to start. So, you know, I grew up in a very traditional sort of Western kind of model. I grew up in Pakistan, but my parents followed uh, doctors there or took us to doctors there that practiced Western medicine. Yeah. Uh, so we got the same kind of, you know, medications, antibiotics, uh, whatnot, growing up, never got exposed to anything else. And then I went to a medical school that was also, again, the training was very Western. In fact, right. our dean would come from the U.S. And I wanted to be a doctor from a young age. I remember in middle school, I wanted to be a doctor. So really, this was, wow. you know. My purpose, uh, you know, I had a big drive to be a doctor. And when when I started medical school, um, at some point, I realized that I wanted to come to the U.S. for further training. And pediatrics excited me. And I ended up in Michigan back in 1999 for my residency training. And, um, you know, during medical school, I started feeling fatigued. And um, I lived in the same city and I got a dorm room because I would need to break my day with a nap. So I would oh, have lunch boy. and run to my room, take a 15 minute nap, run back for my clinicals. And that was that, you know, I had some gut symptoms, um, digestive issues, not anything out of the ordinary, uh, you know, treated with some medications here and there. And as time went on, my fatigue grew. I got through residency. I did a so residency in pediatrics. I did a fellowship in toxicology, learned all the conventional stuff that I've learned to not believe anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, so, you know, just that training, it just trains you to believe in things that may not always work or make you feel better. Uh temporarily. Um, and after I got done with my residency, I uh, worked in an ER, you know, crazy lifestyle, the, you know, midnights, uh, eating on the go, sure. you know, eating out of the vending machine, all that kind of stuff. And um, I just got sicker and sicker, but nothing that uh, 
you know, decompensated me or really made me stop to think, okay, I need to do something about it. So I had hormonal issues. I had gut issues. I was feeling fatigued. You know, I would go to my primary care physician every now and then and get a workup and things would look kind of looks fine. Looks Your labs fine. look good. <laughs> Your lab looks good. Yeah, that usual story. Yeah. And so life went on. I had kids and um, I was just tired. You know, I was just having a, a hard time overcoming that energy deficit. And one of my daughters, you know, she wrote down when she was in ele elementary school and this little thing that they write at school, my mom loves taking naps. Yeah. I needed naps yeah. to get by my day. Yeah. Um, and I ended up in um, Florida from Michigan um, about 14 years ago. Uh, you know, we were going through some transitions. My husband was starting a new job. And at that point, I decided that it was just too much for me to work as a doctor. Um, it was, I was just not able to keep it all together, you know, balance uh, my commitments um, as a wife, as a mom, uh, you know, take care of my kids and work as a physician. And prior to that, I had actually worked part-time. Once I got done with my training, I just worked part-time. And I just got more and more fatigued. You know, I did I did stuff, I volunteered, whatnot, but I had fatigue, I had sleepiness, and my husband was a sleep doctor, believe it or not. And <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> telling me that I needed to get a sleep study. Mm. And finally, uh, about eight years ago in Tuesday, when, uh, you know, when I hit rock bottom, so to speak, when I couldn't take it anymore, I ha was having a hard time driving. I said, okay, let's get a sleep study. So I got a sleep study and the tech from his office called him uh, because I had classical, you know, uh, so a sleep study followed by what's called an MSLT, classical textbook, MSLT, that's the name of the test for narcolepsy. And I got started on stimulants. I was seeing, you know, his associate, one stimulant after another. It would, work, it would work for about three to six months, give me a lot of side effects. I would just be cranky and irritable and uh, you know, lack of appetite. I would still crash in the middle of the day. Uh, with one of them, I couldn't sleep till around midnight or one. And then I would, you know, I had to be started on a medication to put me to sleep at night. So medication to wake sure. me in the morning, medication to put me to sleep at night. I started developing high blood pressure. And that's when, you know, I sort of started <laughs> connecting the dots. Okay, is it the nighttime medication that is giving me the high blood pressure? And I stopped that and my hypertension went away. And during this time, I was you know, developing other things, hormonal issues, gut issues. Um, I had a fibroid. I had a hysterectomy. So all these things are going on. And finally, when I was on my last, you know, my last medication for narcolepsy called Zyrem, which costs around almost $200,000 a year. Oh, my gosh. I lasted one week on it. I started getting symptoms of Parkinson's. Oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, my face, you know, became very mask-like. I had tremors and that had to be stopped. And that's when I knew I had to look for answers outside of what I was used to outside of this conventional Western medicine. So, and then, you know, one of my friends uh, introduced me to cupping. Um, and so that was my first experience with something out of 
what I was used to, you know, I grew up with a family of doctors. My brother's a doctor. My husband has siblings that are doctors. So I was just surrounded by this culture mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, pills and procedures, so right. to speak. Right. Uh, that traditional Western medicine uh, culture and never thought of anything. And in fact, um, I was in many ways taught to look down upon other modalities of treatment. Right. Uh, you know, even in my training, I do remember functional doctors being mentioned as quacks. Right. And <laughs> during my toxicology training. Uh, so I, this was, this is not something that I was, uh, you know, so taught to seek, right. uh, taught to look up to, uh, or taught to think that this would actually help people. And when things fell apart for me, I started looking outside. You know, I got cupping. I started reading books. Um, I started off with Dr. Gundry's book, um, The Plant Paradox. And, you know, it introduced such radical concepts to me at that time. <laughs> That's I, a, thought, that, I, I don't know if I would recommend that that be your first entry into <laughs> right. Absolutely. But for some reason, it was. And I mean, I've grown a lot since then. Uh, you know, after And then um, I got introduced to functional medicine by a friend who went to the same medical school as, as me. So, uh, so then she, there was a little. Uh, <laughs> there was that, uh, yep. that link. And she actually pushed me. She, she asked me to register for, you know, the IF, IF Institute of Functional Medicine's first course and yep. send a picture to her of my registration. So I was almost pushed into this. And, you know, I did it. And. There's no looking back. No, you so can't. You can't unlearn or, or you know, it's there isn't never any going going back. Totally. So yes. Yeah, so you know, the whole my whole world changed, and then um, during you know during my recovery and during my health journey, um, I also discovered that I have mold illness. Uh, so mold was a part of that eventual de- decompensation. It's not the whole story, but part of the story. Right. Um, so yes, so I learned from mold experts, Dr. Neil Nathan and Jill Krista. Uh, so they're also a huge part of my healing journey. Um, Amazing. Yes. So that's how I ended up in functional medicine. I love it. And how is your health now? Uh, totally different. I I feel that I and better. Uh, I feel better than I've felt in a few decades, honestly, yep. like yep. going back to it. my teens. I love it. Oh, and I well, just, wish- yeah, I, I know I, it, it's a, I, this is why we're having these conversations so that, um, because I remember when I found functional medicine, it was like, well, how did I never hear about this? Like, how did I not know this was an option, you know? Um, and so, this is one of the reasons why we we do the podcast so people can can learn that there are other other approaches and i do believe um you know to to have that western training as as a background i mean it's it's not one way or the another you know ideally you're bringing those worlds together Yes. And, you know, because that, that is, I think a problem these days is a lot of people can just hang a functional medicine shingle, but there's no medicine in functional, you know, they just don't have the medical training. 
Absolutely. And I think that is a very important point. Um, you know, I really uh, would call it more like functional and integrative medicine, right. where you're integrating the modalities. Yes. And I right. certainly do use some pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, they are a part of my toolbox. Right. Um, and you really can't, you know, have one without the other. So yeah. it is a part that Western training is a part of my journey. It is a bit of what I still incorporate. I mean, right. we do need to pull out those things when we need them. But you, know, you ask why. You ask why is this happening? Not yeah. just, you know, yes. here's a, a prescription as a band-aid. So yes, to yeah. take care of your symptoms. Yes, you can you may take care of those symptoms, but right. you have to get to the root cause. You have to address that because if you don't, then those underlying problems that are happening in the body, they're just continuing and the damage is just ongoing, which is what happened with me. You know, if I had those hormonal issues way back in my teens and then I ended up having a fibroid and a hysterectomy so that, you know, the estrogen dominance. Um, yeah, it, it, takes toll, it takes right? a toll, right? If you don't do anything about it. And then the yeah. gut issue, um, chronic SIBO. Uh, yeah. You know, we're just kind of building up over time. I uh, want to circle back for for listeners. I want to talk a little bit about the nar about narcolepsy because I, I think it's common in the lay world when you hear narcolepsy, you you think, oh, well, how would you not know you're having? You know, weren't you falling asleep while you were driving, or you know, how could you not be aware that you have narcolepsy? So, can we just? kind of touch on that a little bit and, and explain, you know, how, how do you get a narcolepsy diagnosis and not know? Absolutely. So, you know, in medical school, I learned that narcolepsy is a condition where you have excessive daytime sleepiness and you would have a person who would just be, you know, falling right. asleep. Head, dozing. Yeah. And it does happen, but, you know, everything in life starts slow and it progresses and you get to that point. So uh -huh. before you get to that point, what do you have? You have fatigue, you have sleepiness, and people would compensate, you know, people compensate for sure. it. Caffeine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, coffee, multiple cups of coffee in a day, that's how I was compensating for it, and, or taking a nap. And in my opinion, um, I think it's just an underdiagnosed condition. And that doesn't mean that, you know, the listeners just go and get tested for narcolepsy, but it's just a manifestation of, um, you know, the body not working really well, the energy production system or, you know, the awakening system in the body, it's not working well because of all these, um, you know, hindrances right. in, in sort of the biochemistry, looking at that level, at the cellular level, your cells are not functioning optimally. Right. And your mitochondria, which are your, you know, energy producing um, organelles in the cells, they're not functioning, they're not generating the energy. So just like the a powerhouse, you know, you've, you've got a power failure. Right. And which is why it, it's so and again, because here I am now, 20 years ago, I might not have given it a second thought. But but to think of, okay, somebody has fatigue and sleepiness and the treatment, and I'm using quotations for people listening on audio, is we're gonna we're gonna give you stimulants 
we're not going to wonder why you can't make it through the day without falling asleep. Like that just, it just seems insane now. I know it didn't, but I wanted to touch on that because a lot of listeners and I'm sure listeners are kind of leaning in because fatigue is such a common across the board symptom with autoimmunity, pretty much no matter, you know, what diagnosis you have. Um, and, and, and even not in autoimmunity. I mean, just, just when I think of the typical inflamed adult, um, fatigue is, is common or, and, or energy deficiency in some, in some respects is common. And, and we always, not always, often, if, if the criteria is met, send people for sleep studies because with that thought of, are you, you know, are you oxygenating at night? Because if not, you're going to be tired during the day. Um, but I, I, this is a kind of a new world, even for me to, to dig in a little bit to, to narcolepsy and, and nobody's, I, I don't know of anybody really going that far with, with the testing. So I, sure. I think that, yeah. So generally the testing gets done if, you know, you get a sleep study and nothing comes up on it, like you don't have a sleep apnea, right. or if he's really thinking narcolepsy, because that overnight sleep study, that doesn't pick narcolepsy. Sure. It, right. It's an additional test that has to be done. So right. the additional test would only get done if your overnight sleep study is negative, which right. is what the case was with me, or, you know, if somebody really has an index of suspicion. Right. So that's, that's a daytime. That's, that stays done in the daytime. Sure. Well, Uh, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, I just, I I just am like wondering how many people have the negative sleep study. So they're just told they don't have apnea and then, you know, it just doesn't get addressed, as you said, until it progresses to a point, eventually it becomes clear if somebody has narcolepsy, uh, if it's left untreated, you know, so Yeah. And there's so many people that take stimulants. So provisional is a very well-known stimulant. It's mm-hmm. it's not, um, it's not like Adderall or Ritalin or violence, but it is. You know, it's it's it helps you stay awake. Mm-hmm. And there are many people who take provisional even yeah. without yeah. a diagnosis right. of narcolepsy. Yeah, so, my rheumatologist offered provisional to me years ago, and I was like. Right. Wait, it, it, that same boat, like you're giving me stuff to sleep and now you want to give me, like, I'm not a junkie. Like what is going on? Why? And that was kind of toward where I was like, maybe there's a, you know, I, I was holding at 10 prescriptions. <laughs> I didn't want the 11th prescription, you know, but so I, I know it's, it's used, it is used and prescribed for, for people that have fatigue that and sleepiness yeah, without, without a diagnosis for sure. Absolutely. And and I feel like, uh, you know, it's 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 a tough spot for doctors because that's just how they're trained. Like, you know, having a, my husband being a sleep doctor, that's just how he was trained. And, you know, you you invest all this time going to medical school and residency and training and fellowship and all that. And then you sort of get on a hamster wheel. You know, you've got bills to pay. You've got, you know, your life, your kids, your family, all that. And... And then you're working in the system where a lot of what you do gets dictated by insurance companies. Right. Uh, so you really, you know, your hands are tied. Um, and a lot of times doctors, you know, they're just so kind of stuck in the system. They don't have time to step out and look at other 
at other modalities. And they're also taught to think that those modalities right. don't work. Okay. And there's no evidence behind them. It's quackery. Right? It's quackery. All that, right? And you sort of brainwash, unfortunately. And right. until well, this is decades and decades and de you know, I always ask, like, why going back, like so many doctors that I've interviewed, you know, your even though there were symptoms you normalized when you were younger medical school, it really became clear. But it's like, why do we try to kill doctors in medical, like people who want to be doctors in medical school? Like you're, you're not sleeping. You can't possibly be eating well. The stress is through the roof. Like all of the things that we know now will lead to, to illness and chronic illness is like, why, why are we putting people through that? And it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't even matter what country. It's the, just mm -hmm. how the structure of, of medical school is. It's just a world, yeah, it's just a worldwide sort of a phenomenon, yeah. right? It's, it's like accepted, like, oh, accepted. that's fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the good news is, which is unfortunate, it shouldn't be that way, but this is how functional medicine is growing, right? Is because, unfortunately, because people practicing strictly in the Western model aren't getting answers for themselves. And so, you know, um, we're grateful you're here. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And that's what happens. The patients that I, that come to me, and I'm sure that's what you're seeing too, they've already been through so many different kinds of providers and they're not getting the results that they're looking for or they're just getting sicker and sicker right. um, and, you know, more tired, more fatigued, all that, right? right? Um, and they're looking for answers. And then, you know, once you start fixing those underlying problems. So, you know, and it's, it's not just one thing in functional medicine. We know that it's so many things, like there's so many uh, leaks in the roof as Dr. Bredesen uh, says, you know, for dementia, like, and that apply, I feel that applies to every single illness, like for narcolepsy. It wasn't just one thing. It, I did not have an Adderall deficiency or right. a virus deficiency. Yeah. But I had multiple nutritional deficiency and deficiencies. And in addition, I had imbalances in my gut and hormonal imbalances and toxins. And, you know, so I had to work on all those different things uh, to get rid of the narcolepsy symptoms and address the root causes. And I love that you you brought that up. So I happen to be Bredesen trained. I'm a Recode coach, <clears throat> which I don't I don't know that I've ever mentioned on the podcast before. And and I love in case people are like, wait, why are we talking about narcolepsy? Isn't this an autoimmune podcast? It's it's the same. The these the leaks <laughs> the we need to be supporting you know nutrition hormones reducing like. All of the things, whether you have an autoimmune diagnosis, you have dementia or Alzheimer's, you have, you know, can't uh, pick something, anything chronic, including narcolepsy, we, <clears throat> we need to be, you know, taking away those blocks from healing because our body is designed to heal and, and supporting. And so I love that you brought that up because it is, it's, I, I know when I first got into functional medicine, I, you know, we hear root cause medicine. And I, I thought singular, like root cause, like what is the cause of ha ha ha. And like you said, is it never just one thing? Ever. It's never. Right. No. And even with, with autoimmunity, like, so I have, 
So Hashimoto's, that's also a part of my story. So Ah, well, here we go. Now we're talking. Right. Right. (laughs) And to be honest, I don't know if, you know, the narcolepsy, like the sleepiness, if part of that is also, uh, you know, autoimmune. And I suspect that it is. There just hasn't been, you know, nobody's done the research. Well, and I'm guessing if you had been diagnosed, I'm guessing you were not diagnosed with Hashimoto's first. No, because if I, you were, they probably would have totally discounted the fatigue as yeah. part of your autoimmune condition, right? Like, oh yeah, it's like telling a, you know a mom who knows she's not tired, fatigued, and the doctor says, well, of course, because you have little kids. Like, no, <laughs> it's not. Um, so that is interesting that I, I, you uh, thank you for sharing that you know you also have an autoimmune diagnosis and I love you know like me you don't identify by your, your diagnoses it's like oh yeah and I have that <laughs> you know but, you know, yeah I, you know they said I had so addressing these roots <laughs> addressing these foundations it improves it doesn't matter the list of of diagnoses or you know kind of what the I really am firm a firm believer in and I'm not saying again you don't ever need medication or you know, I always say there's this framework and it's, we prioritize, you know, like if you've got mold exposure and you're living in a moldy house, like we know, like we have to prioritize according to to need for the individual, but, but we need that foundation strong. Absolutely. And yes, and you know, it, and there are many pieces to the foundation as well, and yes. you have to work on all of them and, you know, starting with the basics. Yeah. Where, where, what are your basics? <laughs> so my basics are diet and, you know, diet and lifestyle to so sleep, exercise, stress. Those are, those are my basics. And what I've found in my own journey is that until you work on those, you, you could be pouring supplements or other functional treatments, but until you work on the food that is going in the body or, you know, removing the food that your body is going to react to, like with autoimmunity in an autoimmune paleo diet, which is what I follow. Um, And working on the stress means stress just takes such a toll on the body and stress can be the cause, the actual, or rather the trigger that finally broke the camel's back, so Mm -hmm. to speak, or that triggered someone's Hashimoto's or other autoimmune condition, like, um, you know, MS, for instance, or anything else. Um, All right. Like stress can (laughs) be a huge trigger, right? Yeah. Well, Uh, and I I don't know about you. I've seen, you know, I'm I'm an autoimmune paleo coach as well. And so, you know, I've seen people come in with the appropriate diet for them. I've never had anybody come in where I say, your stress management routine is so great, we're not touching it. <laughs> we just, especially, and I think diet's not static either, but especially we may have a routine that works for us, you know, really well in certain time periods, and then we're going to need to up level. We just are always need to be working on stress management. I, I think it's, it's, it's that one, not everybody has a toxin issue. Everybody has too many toxins, but for sure, st- chronic stress is, I think, number one. It is. I agree. You know, we, we're living in a very stressed society 
our just our daily routines, uh, you know, as adults and also children. I mean, the routines yeah. have become so stressful. There's so much demand on people to, uh, you know, to do things. And we're just constantly busy. Um, it's, the not a, it's not a badge of honor or it shouldn't be a badge of honor. You know, I'm so busy, you know, out, out busying each other. It shouldn't be. And, you know, to be honest, I was one of those people. Like, sure. Busy all the time. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, um, this is a comment that my grandfather made when I was a kid. I don't, I think I was a teenager. He said, I wouldn't even have time to die. <laughs> so <laughs> because it was just a part of my nature. Right. To be busy. Yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I didn't grow up in the U.S., I grew up in a very large city um, in the developing in a developing country, but it was a large city. And right. yes, this life is stressful. Yeah. Um, so stress does take a toll. And, you know, you get to the point where you tip over. Right. So. Yeah. It's any of these things, you know, we talk about that tipping point with toxins all the time, but it it is the same. And And I love that you said, and we have to work on all of it because- you know, if you're not working on stress, well, I don't care how good your diet is. You're not absorbing your nutrients. You're Absolutely. not going to be sleeping well. You know, you're probably over-exercising and, and that, you know, so it's, you have to be working on all of them. Um, and so I love that you highlighted that because it's really, I, I've had people come in and I know it's so frustrating you know, so many of us start with a book or a podcast episode or a something. And, and I say that was, I had the throw spaghetti at the wall approach to healing when I decided to look for another way um, outside of the rheumatology office. I <clears throat> was trying, I would read, learn, try, listen, try, I would, you know, and it was like, I did a lot of really good things, but it wasn't until I did some of them <laughs> in concert that I started to heal. And so this is why, you know, again, we we have these conversations. That's why I do what I do. It took me years to reduce my inflammation and, and symptoms and have my doctors. I always say my doctors took me off my medication. I didn't <laughs> because I didn't need it anymore. Don't ever tell people to stop their meds. Um, but it doesn't need to take years. It's not going to take a week, but it doesn't need to take, you know, six years to start to feel better. That's for sure. That's very true. And yes, working on the stress is, you know, calming the nervous system down. Yeah. That's key, right? Like calming the body, deep breathing, yeah. um, that progressive mus muscle relaxation. You really don't need it. You know, you don't need to go out and buy anything for that. Right. But you need to set aside time for that to really sort of consciously work on that relaxation. And sometimes you can be doing it even while you're, you know, doing some chores, just sort of being mindful mm -hmm. about the breathing and the belly breathing. Yeah. Um, so that's really important. Or and even in conversation, like people don't know, you know, I did, um, right, I guess it had to have been 2020, right, in the, you know, heart of the lockdown, um, I did a, a, a big training for hospital-based doctors in Pakistan, and that was their homework was as they change patients to take three, four, seven breaths, just to reset that nervous system, you know, because they're in that and then, you know, add COVID on top of already a high stress job. Um, 
<clears throat> but one of the things I love about some of the just natural, we're built to use those tools. Um, so I always say, you know, you you can't grab the tool if you don't have it in the toolbox. Right. But once it's in the toolbox, you know, if something is driving, you're having a stressful conversation, you can be breathing during it and not even go to that place of stress response. That's so true. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Do you use that? You know, I I know sleep is one of the pillars. Um, Where do you start with people? Like what what are things people can do around improving sleep? So sleep hygiene, you know, that's something so basic. Um, Everybody's on their phones and you have blue light coming from phones. So consciously, uh, you know, not using your phone at least two to three hours before bedtime. And then moving that bedtime to around 10 to 10.30 p.m. That should really be the latest anyone should go to sleep if they really want to reset their body and help it heal naturally. I mean, you really can't heal the body by, um, you know, pushing those circadian rhythms out of what they're supposed to be doing. So our bodies have something called circadian rhythms based on the cortisol. Uh, So the natural, you know, one of the hormones. And uh, if we stay up till too late, then it just puts that whole system out of balance. So to rebalance the body, you need to move that bedtime to 10 to 10.30 and wake up early, you know, with the sun in so in many parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, by if you get good seven to nine hours of sleep, um, that should be the goal, but your seven to nine hours should not begin at one in the morning or two in the morning or even midnight. They should begin sooner. I love that you that you say that because it is so important and people do tend to, you know, we the I think 10 years ago, if you ask people, what do they know about sleep? You know, they know, okay, somewhere around eight hours, right? But it really does make a difference when you're sleeping, what time. Right. And again, this should not be a badge of honor that, you know, <laughs> Four hours is, I've I, met, I've met so many people who say they're a super sleeper, you know, and they don't need, uh, and there are the very rare super sleepers who don't need that seven to nine hours. Everybody so far that I've met that told me they were a super sleeper is not, they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're going to. No. They they're running are, on, uh, they're running on fumes and adrenaline. Yeah. And, and they're go- it's going to catch up at some time. Like I know yeah. people personally who claim that they're super sleepers, but they've had a big health setback. You and know, they what, don't connect the dots, right? <laughs> you know, it, it could be yeah. a cancer. It could be an autoimmune condition. It yeah. could be a heart attack or something. Well, but, and you mentioned, you know, brain health and Bredesen protocol, right? Like our right. brain is detoxing while we sleep. If you're not giving your that your body that time that's when we're healing and detoxing and cleaning out and you know rebuilding absolutely so, and yeah. that's and that's one of those concepts that's not there in conventional medicine that's probably just coming around uh the concept of yeah uh, so and even the whole lymphatic system is not something that uh conventional medicine really teaches you don't really know about it until i got into functional medicine and cupping um so our toxins are uh, removed from the brain through the glymphatic. So it's the lymphatic system off the brain. 
And the time when it's doing its detoxing is when we're sleeping. So just imagine the more uh, you sleep, like, you know, the within those seven to nine hours, the more your brain gets to detox. And brain disorders, brain fog, Alzheimer's, all those things, that's also a detox issue. Right. And my personal theory is that part, you know, narcolepsy is also a toxin issue and a brain detox issue because, I mean, I know mold was a piece of my story when I got some specialized testing done, which you really don't have to do for specific toxins, but I was sort of trying to learn. I mean, I did have a lot of other toxins on board. Um, So getting rid of those toxins from the brain is important. And I feel like it's just the body's signal of trying to detox. Like, you know, you're just tired and sleepy because your brain needs to to detox. I I love that you said that. That's so, it's so brilliant. And it, it, it just reinforces what you said also about the time of night you're sleep because it's not just sleep. We we need, you know, we need REM and and we need deep sleep. This is those are the stages where the good stuff is happening. And so that's what we're missing even if we think we're getting enough sleep but we're going to bed at 2 in the morning. Like we're you're not getting that restorative sleep that you need. Right. And it's unfortunate that a lot of that those behaviors start when, you know, kids are little or in high school or in college. And somehow, and I mean, I don't, you know, I feel like, you know, some of the uh, sort of the writings or the data that's out there, I mean, people talk about teenagers uh, need, having to have that altered right. uh, circadian rhythm. Their, their and circadian I, rhythm is yeah. different. Yeah. And I'm not Is sure it? if that's that's really true, to be honest. Um, yeah. Again, you know, I don't know if it's just like that conventional Western kind of a concept. Um, but I really feel that our bodies are designed to work a certain way. And well, the sun, yeah, the, the earth and the sun are not changing just because you're a teenager, right? So the sun, now that I never really gave it much thought when I, when my kids were teenagers, I did wish that high school started later. Um, but, but I see what you're saying and, and logically it wouldn't make sense. Why would our circadian rhythm, if it's, if it's set, you know, if it's connected to the cycles of nature, why would it be different at a certain period of growth? It doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, I feel like the circadian rhythm needs to be there. Maybe kids need more sleep at that time because that's just a time of their life and they're growing. And well, they're growing exponentially, and the, sure. And the metabolic needs are more, so uh, yeah. they need to sleep more, but the timing doesn't need to shift yeah. to later at night. Right, and you yeah. see that everywhere, unfortunately. Like you see it in the US, you see it outside. I mean, it's just sort of become like a worldwide culture, um, you know, wherever you have, you know, artificial light and yeah. phones and right. Gadgets. Well, and, and that's these days, I mean, teenagers are on screens, you know, phones, tablets, laptops, video games. I mean, you name it, and and all you know, it's all day and all night, they're getting bombarded. So absolutely, yeah. I love that. See, I, because I, back then, see, there's another thing I get to shift perspective on. It, it doesn't make I mean, it doesn't make sense at all. 
<laughs> it doesn't make sense. And, you know, and all those things catch up. Like I was a night owl um, through high school. I mean, starting in high school. Uh, so if you don't pay attention to all those things and if you don't sort of train, you know, your families, your children, right. which is hard, <laughs> you know, being a mom of two uh, teens and a, and a young adult, a young adult and a teen, uh, those things are hard because, you know, your children are also surrounded by this culture, right. but those things do catch up. Like I know they yeah. caught up with me. So, well, and, the, and they'll, you know, I know I remember <laughs> I have three also that are close together and it was different when they were teenagers and they've all had their own uh, kind of chronic health stuff to, to navigate and, now that they're all in their 20s, like none of them stay up late intentionally, you know, like if they're, their regular schedules are, which is still unusual in their twenty in their age group, right? right. But they're like, right. nope, peace out. <laughs> I'm, I need to get my rest because they know if they're chasing that other kind of lifestyle, they're going to get sick because Absolutely. they just, they're, they've worked too hard to get inflammation down. Um, so, you know, eventually it's always that it's, it's a great moment when, you know, the kids get old enough to then the things you've modeled and taught, you know, I I think it's nature, (laughs) they should, they rebel against it a little bit. And then it's, it's just a beautiful thing when they're older and they're like, they may not even say it out loud, but if they just (laughs) start showing you that they're, you know, they're eating well, they're sleeping well. It's like, oh. and you know, yes, that that's a great point. And I hope my kids get there. They will. It's almost like an elimination diet. You know, when you take those things out of your diet and you reintroduce them, right? Uh, you, your body feels it. So once you've reset your circadian rhythm and you're sleeping, you know, 10, 10, 30, and you have that odd day when you don't, yeah. then you feel it the next day. So, um, well, and it's, I'm going to throw my, throw my partner under the bus here. Um, I always thought he was a night owl. He always thought he was a night owl. And when he moved in, I, there was no question. I'm not going to even pretend or try to be a night owl. And I'd say, you know, I'm going to bed and oh, I'll go too. I'm like, no, you don't have to, you know, cause I really did think he was a night owl. He would go to bed between 12 and two. And I'm telling you, he falls asleep before I do. <laughs> it doesn't matter how early I head in. He was never a night owl. He just, it was that habitual, you know, busy, busy, busy until like, I just can't. And then I'm right. going to sleep and he's a doctor, you know, <laughs> but now he knows. But so it's, you know, we tell ourselves stories because we have habits and patterns And it's not necessarily because our nature is driving that. It's that we've trained our bodies. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, the way we grew up or, you know, our families, how everybody else was, uh, was, uh, so all that plays a role. Friends. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Amazing. So we've already covered so much, but here's your opportunity (laughs) to either pull something new or highlight whatever you want, what is one step that listeners can take starting today to improve their health? So they can start by moving their bodies. Uh, Movement is not one of those things that I grew up with, unfortunately. And like I said, you know, everything adds up. Um, I was never into sports. And, 
walk, you know, exercising was not one of those things that I did on a regular right. basis. Um, and movement, one, it releases endor- endorphins, you know, your brain chemicals that make you feel better. And the second thing is that it helps with detox also. So your lymphatics, they move. Your lymphatics don't have the ability to sort of pump the lymph naturally. Yeah. So movement helps uh, the lymph. That's how they work. That's <laughs> how they work. Moving. Start small. You know, if you're really sick and fatigued and right. you have a lot of pain, then, uh, you know, it, it could just be moving around the house. Right. Uh, do what you can, but start moving. Uh, and I mean, these are just some basic things that you can do to start getting better. Um, and baby steps, you know, you don't have to just dump, jump and do everything, you know, in one day or one week, but right. start where you can. That's, I love it. Yeah. That's and really don't important. overdo it because that's not going to support you. It'll drive inflammation. So I love, I love that your language is is the same as mine that you say movement, you know, because a lot of people, when you say exercise, we all hold a different, whatever the picture is that flies, you know, so we're not talking about CrossFit or, you know, a high intensity, anything or a rope. It's just moving. And, right. and like you said, it can be just moving around the house. I, I have to remind people all the time, like, you know, there's so much that we either enjoy that, it, that includes movement and we don't think of it that way. Um, or that we're doing in our day. Um, and if we did a little more, then we're increasing our movement. So I love that. Yay. So before we wrap up, where is, the, for people listening on the go, where's the best place for them to find you? So my practice is in Florida. So currently I can see patients in Florida. So you, you have okay. to be physically present in Florida for your first visit. Otherwise, i have a complete who doesn't want to go to Florida? Come on. <laughs> and I'm in the Orlando area. So and my areas of interest, obviously, narcolepsy, um, uh, mold illness, which is a part of my personal personal journey. So I do specialize in mold and then autoimmunity. So the, all those um are conditions that I uh treat and specialize in. And um I have a virtual practice, uh, it's called Rebalance Family Health. My Website is going through some updates right now, uh, but there is a link uh, to schedule a call if you're in Florida. Awesome. I love it. Wonderful. Thank you you so, so much. You have given us amazing gold today, and I'm really glad we got to explore a whole new topic on the show and learn more about narcolepsy and find out that yet again, this is another thing that by addressing foundations, we get to heal. (laughs) So Absolutely. And there is an autoimmune connection in all likelihood. Yeah. And hopefully we'll, we'll learn more, you know, as, as research advances and thinking shifts, we'll we'll connect some more of those dots, but it, it kind of doesn't matter because you know, from experience and practice that we can heal. So yes, absolutely. Amazing. Dr. Saima, thank you so very much. Thank you too, Julie. For everyone listening, remember you can get the transcripts and show notes by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.